Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a good thing when God tests us. Now, we might not always think that's the case, at least not at first. But it's often like that when we're tested, when we're stretched, or we get pushed just outside of where we want things to be in our lives according to how we want them. And as Americans, we're particularly guilty of this. As we live our lives in relative ease, security, and peace in comparison with the rest of the world. That a church in our country rode on those waves for many years. And now when things are starting to get more hostile toward the church, many are starting to find themselves seriously facing the cost of being disciples of Jesus, that we might have to suffer at times. But Jesus never promised in times of prosperity and ease in this world. He never promised those things. In fact, the opposite is the case, as he would often speak about times of trial, tribulation, and persecution. Now, to be sure, we know that God never tempts us. That's the devil, the world, and our fallen flesh. We heard about that last week. No, God doesn't tempt us, but he most definitely tests us, gives us times of trial, and yes, even crosses to bear. But his purpose is for our benefit, as James 1 speaks about, and it's actually a sign that we are his sons and that he is our father, as Hebrews 12 teaches. And we know this. We see this in other places in our lives. We test our kids in order for them to grow and learn, and the same with discipline. Do they always like these things? Of course not. We don't like it when we're stretched a bit. But the end, in the end, we're better off for it. And as parents, we do it because we love them. So with all of that being said, then, we have this gospel reading appointed for this Sunday. And it shows us an instance of Jesus testing a person. And in this reading, Jesus seemingly ignores, excludes, and then insults this woman. Yet we learn from this encounter something about our lives in Christ, lived in faith toward him. Jesus drives or pursues faith in his people so that it becomes strong and firm. So St. Matthew records for us, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. So this first response of Jesus was to ignore this woman. Now, there are times in our lives when it appears that Jesus is ignoring us. We're praying for something going on in our lives only to have what appears to be no answer. We know that God isn't going to speak to us in some audible voice from heaven. We know that he speaks through his word, but we seek an answer to our cries, to our pleas, our intercessions, that the Lord would answer us and know that he has promised to do. We just sang about that. Yet we wait and wait and wait. But even if God seemingly and everything in the world were to act differently than what the word of God teaches, we cling to God's word, which can't lie, can't deceive, can't err. So here's Jesus who came to seek and save the lost, but he's ignoring this woman. 
But the faith that trusts and holds fast to God's word when everything else in this life seems to say the opposite is a faith that is firm and steadfast. God promises to hear and answer our prayers on account of Jesus. And that's how you approach him in prayer. You hold before God this word of promise, which he has given to you, and you don't let go for one instant. On more than one occasion in the Bible, Jesus speaks about asking in his name and he will give it to you. And in John 15, in kind of a summary, sum, summary to all of this, he says that what it means to abide in Jesus, as he is the vine and we are the branches, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So if God should let you wait and seemingly string you along for a time, don't despair, don't doubt. When God acts like this, he does, in the reading, not answering a word, your faith and response is not just to throw up your hands and say, well, it was a good effort, God. I'm going to move on to something else. No, it's to keep praying. Pray louder. And so doing, you're depending on Christ and trusting his promises all the more. Even in lament, you're exercising your faith, crying out, oh, Lord, how long? How long will you do this? Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. There's an element of truth to that old saying, no one curses a God he doesn't believe in. Next, Jesus seems to exclude her. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, sometimes there are incidences in our lives when we need to be knocked down a few notches. God knows when this is the case, and he most certainly can, can and does do it. He humbles the proud. This woman shouldn't exist if God's people had done as he had commanded them. There wouldn't be any Canaanites left to come begging at the feet of Jesus. Her very existence is a testament to the fact that God's people disobeyed him. So when we consider ourselves and we look at ourselves before God, we're humbled in any attempt we may have to think that we deserve from him to hear us, regard us, or have any place in his kingdom whatsoever. The minute we do think those things is the minute we're gravely mistaken. Jesus was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was only out of his mercy did he extend this to all people after his resurrection. For us, when we think about our lives, we listen to those words of Jesus when he was speaking to some of those sheep of Israel who rejected him right before this reading the sheep of the house of Israel, come at Jesus. Now he's walking through this area to get away from them for a time. And those are the people that he said he came to save. Here and here's this woman who's outside of those people is the one who was calling him Lord. But Jesus told the house of Israel, he tells us, all of us, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. God does not desire our sacrifices or anything we may try to throw at on the table to claim a place in his kingdom. He doesn't want your righteousness because, in all honesty, your righteous deeds are filthy rags before God. He came to seek and save the lost. And when you don't think you're lost, you're actually more lost than you even know. No, a broken and contrite heart is what the Bible tells us God does not despise. 
God humbles us in order that we turn from our sin and see him in mercy toward us. So that call to repentance is a serious one, and it's daily. We look at our life, and we take sin seriously. We repent, and we have sorrow over where we have sinned against God. So when our, we are humbled in our lives, we keep crying out to God in faith and trusting in Christ for our only hope. And lastly, Jesus appears to insult the woman. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered him, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And, his, and her daughter was healed instantly. God is always right in his judgment. The Christian doesn't argue with God's judgment. Rather, he finds consolation in it. So for Jesus to indirectly call this woman a little dog, it's a diminutive form here, it's a little dog that he calls her, is ultimately to see that there is promise in this word. In faith, she knew what Jesus said is right. She doesn't deserve the bread fed to children, but dogs eat what fall from the master's table. She doesn't get snooty with Jesus and say, who are you to call me a dog? Don't you know who I am? I'm a Canaanite woman, and I'm come to you for help, and this is how you treat me. How dare you? No. It's really more vivid. The image on the front of your bulletin cover is really nice this Sunday. She's down, face down on the ground with her feet at Jesus. She's laid bare. She's exposed. And all that remains now is God's mercy to cling to. Right before this, she says, Lord, help me. And so we call out for God's mercy. And we get to that point at times in our lives when we just pray, Lord, help me. And here then, if she's a dog, and she hears those words from Jesus, then thanks be to God that she's a dog. In your life as a baptized child of God, never let go of Jesus. The times will come and have already when you are stretched in your faith. The devil, the world, and your fallen flesh would have you go looking for answers, would have you go looking for an easy way out, or to avoid suffering at all costs, or to find comfort in something or someone else, rather than digging in your heels all the more firmly in the word of God, and finding your only foundation, those promises that God has made to you. That's what we are tempted to do. But God tests us, and we wrestle with him at times like this, not to be led away from him and into sin, but that we would hear his word, that we would pray more, that we would receive his sacraments more, go running to his church all the more. And that's where we say, blessed are you when God tests you and when he sends you to Christ. So are the trials and tests of God easy or always known? It's always a stark contrast going from last week where we see temptation so vividly before us and now times of trial and temptation. And we know that God tests no one, but the word for temptation and testing is the same word in Greek. And sometimes there's a fine line between the two. 
And so we don't always know when God is testing us or trying us, but we do know the promises of God, and we know that those are for us and that he will never forsake us, and that God is using these things for our good. So God will test you to be sure. He will discipline you to be sure. But a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. It's not mentioned in this reading today, but Jesus knows how far to push this woman. She already believes in him, and he knows what her breaking point is, so to speak. So he's in control the whole time. He knows he's not going to bring us to the point of despair and doubt. That's not his purpose. That's the devil's purpose. But clinging to the word of God, you will not fall away. He will preserve you in times of trial. He's going to be there. He's the father who wrestles with you and tests you, but all the while is keeping you safe. And it can't happen even if it should... um, You can't fall away. It can't happen even if it should seem like God is against you. Even if at times he's calling this woman a dog, you have God's word and look to Christ crucified, and you have everything. Now, an interesting thing in all of this, too, is that you may come out of the encounter like Jacob, with a hip out of place, walking with a limp, or you may have some nasty scars when God tests you. When your dad is on the ground wrestling around with you, you might get floor burn, and it might hurt. You may have lost the love and companionship of some friends, some family members, maybe lost a job, a team, or some playing time, or some other things that sting that hurt, that leave a mark. But you have eternal life and joy that Christ has won and given to you. So even if you're limping, you're limping towards eternal glory. So that's why Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. God has promised and given you eternal life in your baptism. He came to save sinners. He came to save you. And you know what? If he has to call us dogs in the process in order for our good, then let God call us dogs every second of every day. In the epistle reading we heard, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So what a wonderful thing it is, then, to have this peace with God. And this peace is an atonement word. We're no longer God's enemy. Even if we may experience it at times that we may think that God is far from us, We know that we do have God's ear. We do have his heart because Jesus is crucified for you. So day by day, come what may, never will he leave us. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and we're never put to shame because he endured the shame of the cross in your place. And we know, too, that the day is coming when the world will end and we will see fully the eternal God and all of his glory. We won't need any more testing to refine us on that day because we will see him clearly and no longer dimly as in a mirror. 
And so we see him risen from the dead as the assurance that our peace and place before the throne of God and his kingdom is secure. We have confidence in that. And we hold God to, to it, that we, he remembers his mercy and his steadfast love. That's what we prayed in the intro, that God remembers his mercy and his steadfast love. We were praying that God would do that. And you know what? He delights in that. Because that's the faith he's given to us. Because he delights in you on account of Christ. Amen.